everybody. Welcome to episode 55 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirakatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined on the phone, as always, by the czar of the track wrestling rankings, David Mirakatani, joining us from St. Louis. David, how's everything going in St. Louis today? Everything is great. Um, fall is here. Wrestling is here. Um, back to the grind. Um, officially ready to start Nerd Out Sunday for the next four months. So excited to be back at it. Awesome, man. One week in the books. Crack Wrestling Rankings presented by Resolite are out, the week one rankings. Dave and I will be going over that here shortly. Also have a new feature we're going to introduce uh, later in the show. Hopefully get a little fan participation on that. Uh, All-Star Classic, some other things going on around the wrestling world. we got a preview of what's coming up on the weekend, too. So uh, let's get at it, David. The NWCA All-Star Classic, some really, really good matches in that. One thing that really struck me, David, you know, we went into January last year before we had a number one spot change in the track wrestling rankings. It was uh, Cade Brock over Corey Clark, uh, you know, I think probably about the second week of January, January 15th, somewhere in there. Uh, And then we only had one more the rest of the ways. Ahid Valencia took over at number one at 174 uh, when Brian Real Buto lost, or excuse me, Brian Real Buto beat Bo Jordan uh, on February 19th. So uh, when Clark lost, Nathan Tomasello took over at number one. When Jordan lost, Zahid took over at number one. And wouldn't you know, first weekend of the season, we have two guys that go down, and Tomasello takes over at number one, and Zahid takes over at number one as well. So I never thought of that until you just said that. <laughs> and and people, know, people should know, sometimes we talk ahead of time to lay out the, the framework for the show, and you, you sprung that on me. That is really, really ironic. <laughs> and yeah. I never would have thought of that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are, two changes already. It feels like it uh, could be kind of a wild season throughout, uh, you know, but we'll wait and see. You know, the, the NWCA All-Star Classic, though, uh, tremendous show there, some really good matches. Uh, David, just just the big takeaways for you. What, what did uh, you come away from Sunday? What were, the, what were the primary thoughts in your mind coming out of that? Well, shameless plug for track, I think, the production quality gets better and better. Um, I really, I really took notice of that. Um, I, I was just impressed by how good these guys were this early in the year. Like a lot of times, you see, you know, guys kind of ease into matches, and you know, there was a couple change-ups. You know, like Colin Moore was nicked up, so you didn't, you didn't have him at 97, and they wrestled a couple local guys that weren't necessarily top 25 ranked, but. These guys looked ready. They didn't, you know, there weren't guys gassing out. Um, And then I think this, like, I really, really think I've probably in my own mind underestimated Seth Gross. Like, because he wins a different way. He doesn't always attack legs. You know, he was at Iowa, came down a weight, you know, obviously had some troubles there. Like, I think he's kind of, I kind of thought that weight class was a toss-up. I think he's the favorite, and somebody's going to have to prove that they can beat him because he was really convincing, and he's been pretty convincing against Brock. Like, 
I, I guess those are kind of the big, you know, I mean, there's obviously the good guys there and anybody can get beat on any given day, but I didn't put him on the same level of certainty that I did with like a Dean Heil or certainly not with like Zane and Nolf and Snyder and those guys. And in my mind, he's, he's definitely creeping up that certainty ladder, if that makes any sense. Yeah, he was really impressive. And, and one of the things that, you know, to your point about how much he has improved, uh, I, I go back to when I was covering the Hawkeyes full-time, and they, they got a commitment from him. And I went and watched some of his matches in high school, and he reminded me of then of a lesser Derek St. John. Uh, you know, I thought a lot of similarities there where, you know, they're built similarly for sure. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, the build and, and also the, the scrambling ability felt to me like he didn't quite have the the leg attacks then. Uh, but but he has certainly shored that up and he's become a hammer on top. He is, is he has evolved in so many different ways. And, and I, I never imagined when he came out of high school and he has some pretty good freestyle credentials. Uh, you know, he won Fargo. Um you know, impressive freestyle credentials, but but I didn't see him becoming this kind of force. And and uh, man, he's he's done a tremendous job of of evolving, as I said. And I, I think a lot of credit goes to Chris Bono, uh, John Reeder, AJ Shop, and company uh, for what they did with with him over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, AJ Shop has since moved on to Purdue, but but I it's think still, yeah. Uh, yeah. you see a lot of his influence, at least uh, things that he's doing on top similar to what shop did at Edinburgh. So, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's become, he's become a force there. And I, and I thought that was going to be a much more competitive match uh, yeah. than it was. Uh, going to be interesting to see if they get another, uh, go round, what kind of adjustments Michich makes, but, uh, boy, Seth looks like he's really starting to separate himself from the pack at 33 though. And the other thing you see is he, you know, he's so good on top. Like people are terrified. Like, you know, a lot of times where people would bail because, like, okay, Andy's about to get this takedown. I'm going to bail. I'll come up and get my one, and then we'll go to the next one. You can't do that against him. You may not get up. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you may not get up, period, you know, until the end of the period. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. We had two number one changes, but it feels like some of the weights, it might be a while, right? Like, you know, if you had to guess, you know, you would think that, Snyder, you know, kind of working backwards, Snyder, Nickel, Nolf, Zane, Dean Heil, you know, and now Gross. Like, those guys don't – You like, if one of those guys got beat, it would be a really significant upset, I think, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, we talked about this, and, and it's been talked about uh, at length for, you know, the past couple of years. You know, Dean Heil seems to walk the, the high wire there, but always finds a way to get his hand raised, and, and credit to him for that. But, uh, you know, the one thing about 141 is uh, just just the number of high-level competitors he's going to face there. You know, Jack, Meredith, uh, Ironman, uh, you know, potentially, you know, some he's going to run into some guys like that. You know, we got Ash or uh, McKenna ranked sixth, Chad Red seventh, Tommy Thorne returning All American eighth. So you know, it's a pretty good weight one through eight, I think. And uh, but but you know, as I said, Dean Heil time and again finds a way to get his hand raised. And so yeah, to your point though, I I think that uh, you know we could see uh, some stability there at, at some of these number one spots for quite some time. I think. Uh, 
you look at, at some of these weights where there may, may be some changes, uh, certainly 165 uh, with, with Vincenzo Joseph there, number one, he's going to be battle-tested by the time uh, March rolls around with, you know, matchups with Imar or Logan Massa in the Big Ten. And so uh, uh, he's, he's going to get put to the test there. Um, you know, 174 with Zahid. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what, uh, you know, where, where he might run into some of these other guys, Mark Hall. Uh, you know, the, the, the series there, David, if we, if we look at, at that, uh, that match, pretty fascinating again. I, I think it played out a lot like their one in uh, March in the NCAA semifinals, except this time uh, Zahid didn't get his hand stuck in the headgear when he was trying to, <laughs> to finish, you know, finish that hold there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, man, it would be fun to watch them wrestle a, I don't know, best of 75 series or something like that. Uh, uh, I, I it's so fascinating to me, you know, Zahid's got such high level leg attacks and, and, you know, the long build and, you know, how smooth he is at getting to the legs. And then Mark, uh, certainly about as good as there is in the world at, at defending legs and, and scoring when, when you have his legs, pretty fascinating matchup there. Yeah. And I'm looking at the schedule for this week ahead, just as we're chatting, Arizona state wrestles Michigan on Friday and Ohio State on Sunday. Now, you never know who, who's going to show up, but Zahid could wrestle um, Amin. His first three matches could be Hall, Against, Amin, yep. and Bo Jordan. Yep. I mean, that's got to be – I mean, that's your consensus top four, no matter – and as we get to these weights, we'll talk about the order we put guys in and how difficult or easy some of these decisions were. But, I mean, I think that's everybody's consensus top four. And, yeah, I mean, you mentioned 65. I think 65 feels like there will be, you know, could easily be changed. Hard to go undefeated at that weight. 74, same thing. 97, kind of the same thing when you don't have a finalist back. And 25 could change hands, you know, several times too. I mean, obviously they all could. But those, I think, are the ones where people go like, yeah, like, I mean, Nick Soriano is really good. You know, Darian Cruz is really good. You know, Nick Piccinini is really good. Nato Tomasello is really good. And, Lezak, yeah, yeah Lezak, and you know you got Taylor Lamont came out of nowhere this weekend is pinning people. So you know, I mean, like there's just that weight, and there's always turnover at 25 because that's a weight where there's not as much man strength. You know, where if you're really good, you can make an impact right away. So, but this Arizona State schedule, especially for 174, is awfully, awfully interesting to start out the season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh. The other thing, one of the main takeaways for me from the All-Star was just uh, 141, Jack and Meredith. You would think that guys that have wrestled as much as they have, uh, not just the last two years, but going back and being training partners, uh, that that, that, would try, that would kind of lend itself to maybe being more of a tactical, uh, low-scoring, less entertaining type of match. But, uh, man, these guys, every time that they put it on the line against each other, like the fur flies and, and – uh, uh, there was that sequence, I think, at the beginning of the second period that uh, uh, Meredith was on the bottom. And, you know, they, they had this flurry where they went round and round and round and round. And Meredith got away. And then Jack, like right on the edge of the mat, uh, Jack dove in on the double. Yeah, I saw uh, that, yeah. And, and 
you know, that, that kind of epitomized to me or symbolized what, uh, what, those what two happens do. when the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, just a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy watching those two guys scrap and I, you know, I don't know that, uh, uh, you know, that there's maybe a matchup out there that, that consistently produces more entertainment than what those two guys do when they put it on the line against each other. I agree with everything you're saying, and I agree that it doesn't usually go that way, you know, that when guys have wrestled that many times, forget the fact they were training partners. Just, you know, if you've wrestled each other four or five times in matches, um, then you add to the fact that they trained together for a year. Um, I think Meredith's style really lends itself to, like, I don't think he knows how to win a three-to-two match. I think he's like yeah. sort of like Chandler Rogers, right? Like, if Chandler Rogers won three-to-two, he would think something went wrong. I just don't think that's really in those guys' DNA. And it's actually good for wrestling that these guys uh-huh. just go. You know, they, they go, and they're really, really awesome that way. So, yeah, it makes it really fun, really fun for people to watch, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Anything else from the All-Star Classic you want to touch upon before we move on? No, just it's, it's a great show. I think it continues to get better and better. And, uh you know, shout out to, you know, Mike Moyer for putting the the matchups together. Shout out to Justin and the crew for putting it on in such a high-class way. Well, let's give a shout out, too, to the guys that uh, participated in it. I, you know, there are some guys that uh, have the opportunity and, and uh, you know, decline to participate in it. But, uh, you know, for an event where technically it's not supposed to count for anything, it doesn't count for your records, but uh, for guys to get themselves up for a big match, that early in the season and put it on the line. I think uh, a lot of credit goes to the guys that uh, were yes. willing to participate. And, uh, yeah, uh, sure. you know, so happy to see, uh, you know, those guys getting out there and doing that early in the year and, and also uh, turning it loose and putting on a good show. So anyway, David, we're going to move on to uh, this week's track wrestling rankings presented by Resolite. And this podcast is sponsored by Resolite sports products. Your one source for both classic and lightweight mats, from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproofed interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, we put out preseason rankings and then we put out, uh, just coming out this week, out today, actually, we're recording this as we do during the season on Tuesdays. The week one track wrestling rankings are out. And a little bit of change at the top, a little shakeup at the top, as we mentioned, the two weight classes uh, that changed 174 and uh, Zahid Valencia moving up to the top there in 125 as well with Nathan Tomasello moving up to the top. Uh, also, the race at the top gets a little bit tighter. It was 17 points in the preseason, the difference between Penn State, number one Penn State, number two Ohio State. That's down to five and a half now. Uh, just a quick run through the top ten in the team standings. Number one Penn State projected at 120 points. Number two Ohio State, 114 and a half. Number three Michigan, 84 and a half. Number four Oklahoma State down to 80. So Michigan and Oklahoma State changed spots at three and four, mainly due to Joe Smith, uh, the news that he's going to redshirt this season. So he comes right. out of the rankings at 157 pounds. Number five, Missouri, 
56 points, and here's where things get jammed up after those first four. Number five, Missouri at 56. Number six, Arizona State at 49.5. Number seven, North Carolina State moving up four spots this week, 43.5 points. Number eight, Minnesota at 41, and then Iowa and Virginia Tech tied at 40. David, let's take a quick run through 125 through heavyweight. As you mentioned, as we talked about the change at the top, Tomasello takes over at number one, Piccinini at number two after he downs Darian Cruz. Darian Cruz falls from number one to number three. Ethan Lezak at four, Nick Suriano at five, Sean Russell of Edinburgh at six, Ryan Milhoff, the Oklahoma transfer now at Arizona State is at seven, and Sean Foss of North Carolina State at eight. David, as you look through this weight and putting it together, what were some of uh, the key points that you noticed that occurred on week one? Taylor Lamont and Louie Hayes. Just, yeah. And Connor Schramm and Gabe Townsell flip-flopping weights. Um, you know, it's it's funny. When you're just a fan, you're like you love upsets. When you do rankings, you're like, I hope nobody gets upset because it's a bunch of work. You know, but um, – the 20 right at the top it's difficult right because there's a couple guys that have i mean suriano sort of has an argument for number one still mm -hmm. um tomasello's hurt so it kind of makes suriano's argument stronger um piccinini beat suriano but he didn't really beat him i mean you know, he got injured and the other guy's hand got raised you know so um yeah i you know and and people need to understand that rankings are not predictions you know, like, you know, like I'm just picking the guy. We have a 25, Luke Welch. Let's just say I really think Luke Welch is going to finish in the top eight. Nothing's happened yet to make him to justify ranking him in the top eight. You know, but on the other hand, guys like Louis Hayes and Taylor Lamont walked in and announced themselves immediately. So those were like the big movers up, and Zeke Moisey obviously fell eight spots. So those were kind of the the big movers at that weight, you know. Um, and it was weird because, you know, we usually go through these in, in weight order and sometimes it's kind of crazy when the first, you know, the first weight has a ton of movement and you're like, my God, this might take three days to put the rankings together. But it did kind of settle down a little bit after that. But 25 was crazy right out of the chute. Moving ahead to 133, as we mentioned, Seth Gross, South Dakota State, number one remains there. Uh, number two, Stevan Michich of Michigan. Number three, Cade Brock of Oklahoma State. Number four, Scott Parker of Lehigh. Five, Jack Mueller of Virginia. Six, Mitch McKee of Minnesota. Seven, Brian Lantry of Buffalo. Eight, Scott Del Vecchio of Rutgers. Uh, so no change at the top at 133. Uh, not a whole lot of earth-shattering stuff occurred here, uh, but some movement at the bottom of the rankings Anything you want to touch upon here at 133, David? I think Terrell moving up, right? You know, I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, he's got a lot of judo background, you know, so he's a difficult guy to prepare for. You know, we were watching, I was watching the UFC Saturday night with one of my friends who wrestled for me and is a professional fighter, and he was talking about, like, Stephen Thompson, and that style so hard to prepare for. I think Terrell's a guy that's really hard to prepare for. I think the guys out east, they get to wrestle him more than once, have a much bigger advantage. And he feels like a guy that when he gets to nationals is going to upset at least one guy that is ranked or seated higher than him. So, you know, that's interesting. Obviously, 
Um, Connor Schramm, the move worked well for him going down, but, you know, not so good for Townsville going up. Um, so, yeah, and then Gustafson, you know, had a couple nice wins at 33, so that, that helps Virginia Tech as well. Moving on to 141. Uh, as we mentioned, Dean Heil, two-time NCAA champ from Oklahoma State, remains number one, followed by the two all-star participants, Kevin Jack of North Carolina State at two, Bryce Meredith of Wyoming at three, Jaden Ironman of Missouri at four, Anthony Ashnault of Rutgers at five, number six, Joey McKenna of Ohio State, number seven, Chad Redd, the freshman from Nebraska, moves all the way up to the number seven spot after winning at Dactronics against Minnesota All-American Tommy Thorne, who is number eight. Uh, David, this was, you know, kind of, kind of where to put red was, was one of the tough equations here. Um, he made it pretty easy though. He really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he helped us a lot, right? Like, you know, you and I had talked about it before the weekend, if McChrystal moved up and then he beat Thorne. And so really the only decision was, do we put him right where McChrystal was or do we move McKenna up above him? And we just felt like resume body of work McKenna you know, deserved to be at six and red at seven, Thorn at eight. And then the other guy that made a pretty good move this week was Gaska and, you know, kind of knew that he was ranked too low, but he was, you know, he went 0-2 at Nationals last year, and that's a huge criteria for us for the preseason rankings. Obviously, he was injured when that happened, but he had three quality wins this weekend and really, you know, justified getting him in the top 15. And, you know, he'll probably continue to move up. And then, you know, Nick Lee wrestled, you know, granted for Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, but that's a guy, um, I, I talked to a guy I really, really trust about his ability to judge talent, and he said by the end of the year, Nick Lee will be able to go with pretty much everybody in the top eight. He thinks he's that good. And this guy has no ties to Penn State at all. This is just a guy that I th believe really, really knows wrestling and doesn't have a horse in the race and is really high on him. And if, if that's the case, it's going to be awfully hard to beat Penn State. So it's also really good for Brock Zacherl if that's true because that's a huge win, which will, you know, help down the line when you're doing, you know, seedings and all these other things. Yeah, and it certainly feels like, uh, you know, you look at the standings of the team race right now and it's five and a half. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Penn State not getting a lot at 25 and 33 that, uh, you know, can you can – you, basically give away the first three weight classes. It'd be uh, awful. Without, without it's interesting, getting... right? If they can win it seven on 10, you know, yeah. right? I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah. 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 You know, they still have Jared Cortez there and a guy with a uh, impressive pedigree coming out of high school. A lot of ability just hasn't uh, clicked for him yet. We'll be interesting to see what happens with Cortez, if he can stay healthy this year. And, and if so, uh, can he break through? But, uh, you know, you talk about breakthroughs, too. I mean, Javier Gasca, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. We we talked off air, and it feels like he's, you know, kind of perpetually stuck in this 12 to 21 range in the rankings. At least he has been the last couple of years. And, and can he break through and become one of, you know, those top eight guys? Can he can he do what he did at the Big Ten Championships prior to getting injured? Uh and sustain that over the course of 30-plus matches this year. That's, that's going to be one of the things to watch, I think. And it feels like he's as good as Tyler Smith, Jared Prince, Jack Hathaway, Josh Albert, Brock Zacherl, you know, the five guys above him. And, you know, and it feels like he's – I think he's pretty close to Tommy Thorne if you look at common results. So 
it feels like he could break in and, and be top eight. And for Michigan State to get an All-American after what's, you know, that program's, you know, been really down for so many years, that would be a huge, huge feather in their cap as well. Moving on to 149, the two-time NCAA champ, Zane Rutherford from Penn State, uh, clearly the number one there. Brandon Sorensen of Iowa, number two. Max Thompson, the winner in the All-Star Classic of Max Thompson of Northern Iowa, remains at three after his victory over Matthew Kalodzik from Princeton. Touch on that in a minute. Uh, number four, Solomon Chisco of Virginia Tech. As I mentioned, Kalodzik at five. Justin Oliver, really impressive performance. Uh, at the Michigan State Open, Justin Oliver of Central Michigan at six. Colton McChrystal of Nebraska comes in at seven. Steve Blyce of Minnesota, the Northern Illinois transfer at eight. We'll go one spot further on this one, too. Uh, Boo Llewellyn uh, comes in at number nine. Oklahoma State sophomore after he comes out on top. Uh, down at uh, UCO Open, I believe. OCU. Oklahoma City. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, good correction there. Uh, David, uh, you know, one of the things at the All-Star Classic we didn't mention earlier was just the finish between Thompson and Kaladzic. Thompson, uh, down a point with about 45 seconds to go, gets in on a single leg, sucks it in. I uh, had to use a lot of horsepower to put yeah, that leg yeah, in. Yeah. They go to the boundary and – Max, in a couple instances, couldn't have had more than just about a toenail, like one toenail in. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a tremendous demonstration of strength, heart, mat awareness, uh, and then skill, too, on top of it, to, to be able to uh, know where he was in that position and then be able to capitalize and finish with about three seconds left in the match. Uh, a tremendous job by Max Thompson to finish that takedown at the end. It was a great match, and, um, you know, we, I just had Dubuque on, and, you know, he was talking about how Kaladzic is one of the strongest human beings he's ever wrestled with. And so, you know, that was fresh in my mind. And I know Max, you know, we obviously both know Max, you from Iowa, me from, you know, him being in Border Brawl. And super nice kid, really quiet, you know, kind of reserved. But you can tell that the kid meant business back in high school, you know, up to this time. And when he just sucks a guy in like that, that a guy like Joe Dubuque, who I trust when it comes to strength, says that guy's a horse, that was that was really, really impressive. You're right. And the, and all the things you said, the mad awareness, everything else, because he could have done everything right and taken his toe out of the cylinder and it would have all been for nothing. So, yeah, it was very impressive, that last 45 seconds of the match, like you said. Llewellyn coming in at nine. Could be interesting to see how that Oklahoma State situation evolves throughout the season there at 49 with uh, him and Moran and Gio Martinez. Uh, certainly no shortage of options for John Smith at 149 pounds there. Uh, Keyshawn Hayes coming in at number 10. One of the things that uh, Tom Ryan was on uh, the On the Mat program, radio show here in Cedar Falls with uh, Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum, and myself last week. And, and he uh, shared the news that Keyshawn was going to move up. Uh, they, they looked into a lot of factors in determining what they were going to do with, with Joey McKenna at 41 and Keyshawn Hayes there as well. They opted to go with Keyshawn at 49, McKenna going to stay at 41. Uh, McKenna also, news that Tom Ryan shared on that show, McKenna is – 
still on track to compete at the U23 World Championships after sustaining that ankle injury in Ohio State's wrestle-offs. He also said that uh, Tomasello is ahead of schedule and highly likely he will be back at some point in December uh, rejoining the Buckeye lineup there. So just an update on Ohio State. Good stuff. Uh, David, yeah. uh, David uh, you know, we talk about uh, depth and weight classes and tiers of guys, and it feels like, uh, you know, after Oliver, it feels like there's a lot of uh, guys right in one pack there that, that uh, there could be quite a bit of movement uh, here at 49 throughout the, throughout the regular season. Took the words out of my mouth, boss. I look at Luwalan, Hayes, Deacon, Maruka, 9 through 12, and if those guys all finished, you know, 6, 7, 8, you know, or even 5, 6, 7, 8, it feels like it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, you know, Boo beat um, Meredith last year. Granted, it was a 41, but, you know, that's a high, high-level win. You know, Keyshawn, you know, beat Bannister. And, is, you know, and he'll be a guy that gets better, right, because he'll lift his way into that weight class. I mean, he was wrestling off a few weeks ago at 41. Yep. So he's only going to get stronger. De- Deacon, you know, he's, you know, obviously – not very good because he didn't place at the Eastern Michigan Open, and then all he did was go take second in the Worlds. You know, so, um, you know, and then Maruka's really been good. At, Arizona State's really high on him. And, you know, a couple good wins with beating uh, uh, Wick and, and Jeffries. You know, weird loss to grind. But those guys feel like – it feels to me like just looking at results and guys – you know, you look at names you've ranked, you know, from the last year. It feels like after Maruka – that there is a, you know, there's a drop-off. And those guys are sort of on that same tier with with Blyes and McChrystal. I mean, I guess I feel like Oliver's at a different level because he's All-American before. But a lot of these guys haven't had a chance to before. You know, Keyshawn got hurt. Boo sat behind a pretty good kid at 41 last year for Oklahoma State. You know, Deacon's a freshman. You know, Maruka wrestled last year and only going to get better. So I feel like those guys as a block, you could see major movement in that certainly affects the team race with at least three of those guys, Okie State, Ohio State, and Arizona State. I'm interested to see what happens with Davion Jeffries this season. He was a guy that a year ago posted a win over Max Thompson. Uh, you know, flashes of, of some really high-level stuff out of him. Just haven't seen quite the, the consistency that you have to have to be uh, one of the last guys standing in March. But uh, can he put it all together? Will the light come on and stay on for – Davion Jeffries. Uh, moving ahead to 157, David. Uh, Nolf, Jason Nolf, NCAA champ, Penn State number one. Joey LaValle of Missouri number two. Michael Kemmerer of Iowa number three. Tyler Berger of Nebraska four. Micah Jordan of Ohio State five. B.J. Claggan of Ryder six. Richie Lewis of Rutgers at seven. Alec Pantaleo of Michigan at eight. A uh, little movement there inside the top eight with Claggan uh, moving up a couple notches after beating Pantaleo in the All-Star Classic. Uh, certainly uh, strong showing by Mitch Feinsilver yeah. on the weekend. Uh, Josh Shields posting a couple high-level wins. Uh, anything else strike you that, that's interesting as well? Larry Early coming in uh, at 17. Paul Fox, the All-American, dropping a couple matches. David, anything else that uh, just those last two things? Those are the last two things I was going to point out. You know, Larry Early's back. Um, You know, I think he's a guy that you definitely have to keep an eye on. He's you know really good pedigree. 
you know, good at multiple styles. Um, and then Fox, you know, he he was ranked where he deserved to be ranked based on being an All-American. Kind of had a Cinderella run to that. You would, you know, if you're Stanford, you kind of hope that breeds some consistency, you know, but it hasn't yet this year. And then, obviously, everybody just got to bump up one spot, you know, except the top three guys because of Joe Smith being gone. So another race where the team race, you know, you look at the top five schools, Penn State, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, awfully important. And I think if you're looking for a dark horse, Blaylock from Oklahoma State's a guy that has been in spot duty the last couple years and has had some really nice wins and great overall records for a guy that has gotten no credit, you know, no, no pub, no really credit this far. So I think he's a guy that could make waves by the end of the year as well. Moving on to 165, uh, Penn State, once again, number one. Vincenzo Joseph, the returning national champ there. Isaiah Martinez, two-time NCAA champ from Illinois. At number two, Logan Massa, impressive performance uh, this past weekend with wins uh, over uh, Evan Wick and Anthony Valencia up at the Michigan State Open. Logan Massa of Michigan, number three. Chandler Rogers of Oklahoma State, number four. Chad Walsh of Ryder, number five. Let's hope that uh, somehow, some way, we get to see a Walsh Rogers <laughs> match. What's the over under season. on that match? If nobody gets pinned. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> you know, that's the big asterisk, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh number six, David McFadden of Virginia Tech, number seven, Anthony Valencia of Arizona State, number eight, Nick Wanzek of Minnesota. Then moving on a little bit more, Tishon Campbell of Ohio State's pack or excuse me, the ACC champion a year ago, transferring in from Pittsburgh. Uh, Ohio State gonna need uh, all the points it can get on the periphery of that t- number eight cut line, they're going to need a guy like Tishon to jump up and into that next level. Uh, then a little bit further down the line, you know, we got to see Isaiah White come out this weekend, the D2 champ transferring from Notre Dame College to Nebraska. Uh, he loses to Wanzek 2-0 in the Dactronics finals. Uh, David, uh, when when you look at – uh, 165. I think this, you know, as we talked about, this could be a lot of fun this way throughout the season. But uh, what were some of the takeaways from week one for you? Chance Marsteller looked pretty good. You know, didn't have a deep, deep bracket, but wrestled well. Isaiah White, um, I think he's going to just, um, I think he'll have these kind of matches where it's kind of frustrating, you know, where you're not, you're like, look, you know, I thought he was better than that. But He's uh, you were talking about Jeffries a couple weight classes ago. And I think they're both high ceiling, low floor guys, right? Like their best is really, really scary good, and then you know, then they kind of frustrate you with their lack of consistency. Um, I think Gordon Wolf. I mean, Lehigh's made this decision to move three guys up essentially, right? Like Wolf moved up, and then. Um, Cutler moved. I think up. Wolf, Wolf moved down, didn't he? Oh, he moved down. I'm sorry, but then yeah. uh, Cutler moved up basically two weight classes, and then Price is moving up. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Lehigh always has one of the deepest teams in the country. So you know, I, I doubt Gordon Wolf's going to end up 23rd at the end of the year. I don't know who he's going to pass, but I, I feel like he's passing somebody. So. Moving ahead to 174, as we mentioned, change at the top: Zahid Valencia. 
from Arizona State takes over at number one. Mark Hall from Penn State slides to number two. Bo Jordan of Ohio State falls one notch to number three after Valencia's move up from three to one. Miles Amin of Michigan, number four. Daniel Lewis of Missouri, number five. Brandon Walmack at Cornell, six. Jaden Bernstein of Navy, seven. And Drew Hughes of Michigan State, eight. Hughes posted a couple notable wins over the weekend, uh, beating, uh, beating Ryan Christensen of Wisconsin and Christian Brucky of Central Michigan. He lost to Amin at uh, the Michigan State Open as well. Uh, Christensen, tough weekend, losing three matches. Uh, he slides all the way down to 20. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, one of the big movers here is uh, Yoansi Mejias of Oklahoma. Uh, coming up from 165 to 174 and checking in at number 10 after uh, making a run there at the Michigan State Open. So uh, some interesting things there. David Keaton subject. We saw him get off to a great start last year with uh, that win over the eventual national champion, Vincenzo Joseph, uh, when he was at 165. Uh, certainly a guy that's off to a good start here as well with uh, – Strong performance over the weekend, but uh, be interesting to see if he can he can keep it together for uh, the course of the whole season this year. If if moving up a weight class helps him uh, maintain that level of consistency. Uh, David, you mentioned color coming in at twelve. Anything else stick out to you at one seventy four? Um, no, I mean no. I watched Missouri wrestle Illinois. You know, I'm, I'm obviously you know close to those programs geographically. They wrestled outdoor on a softball field, so that was kind of cool and. Daniel Lewis did what he does, just ride like crazy against Montalvo, and then was kind of going for a major and ended up losing a takedown late. So I think that kind of plagued him a little bit last year. I mean, he was ahead of Vincenzo at Nationals. You know, he's a guy that is really good at running out to a lead. You know, if he can work on closing matches with the same strength that he opens them, he's the one guy I feel like could kind of break into that top three if anybody has a shot at doing so. Moving ahead to 184, and uh, not a whole lot of movement here as well. Bo Nickel of Penn State, number one. Miles Martin of Ohio State, number two. Pete Renda of North Carolina State, three, after his win over number four, Drew Foster of Northern Iowa at the All-Star Classic. Dominic Abinader of Michigan, number five. Emery Parker of Illinois, number six. Nick Gravina of Rutgers, seven. And Dakota Greer of Dakota Gear of Edinburgh, number eight. Uh, looking a little bit further down the line, David Zaksavatsky took a loss this weekend to North Carolina State redshirt Nick Renan. Uh, Nick Renan, guy with a lot of upside, guy with a strong high school credentials, uh, guy that had a little bit of an inconsistent freshman season uh, last year, but uh, you know certainly North Carolina State's in good shape there. Once uh, you know after Pete Renda graduates this season. Um, your your takeaways on 184 this week? Feels like the one weight we got right. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a lot of change. Um, yeah, Renan's an interesting guy in high school. He wrestled up a lot and actually had really good success doing that. He might be one of those guys that is actually better off not cutting weight. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, NC State had a really good weekend. They went 3-0 and out at the All-Star meet and you know, moved up in the rankings significantly, and they've got guys ranked in almost every weight. It'll be interesting to see if they redshirt Reno or move him down to 74 or whatever. Um, but we didn't really punish Zabatsky too much for that loss. It's 
I think it was kind of a body of work, and you kind of look at who you would drop him below, and nobody really did anything to merit jumping above him. Yeah, North Carolina State a year ago, uh, you know, if memory serves me correct, I think they had all 10 qualifiers, qualified at all 10 weights last year for the NCAA championships. And they were a team that, that was so solid in duels, but just uh, not quite, the, you know, after Kevin Jack, just not quite the entire um, lineup filled with, with guys that are going to go deep in that tournament a year ago. And it'd be interesting to see if can they make uh, that run, can they make the move to the next level at enough weight classes that, uh, can get them into the top five. I know Kevin Jack was talking about that after the All-Star Classic, wanting to see uh, this team move into the top five this season. And I, I think they certainly have the potential to do it. They're going to need um, some guys to come along a little bit and, and establish themselves in that top eight and move up the ladder a little bit. But I think that the potential is there. And uh, certainly a team when, when you can uh, redshirt guys like Renan and still be strong at, at ten weights like they are, uh, it's a tremendous testament to the overall depth that they've they've, uh, they've accumulated there. Yeah. there. Yep, yep. And so. and you know when you have a bunch of guys that are round to sixteen, round to twenty four guys, according to the seedings of the rankings, you have eight, nine, ten of those guys, or you know eight of them and a couple guys above that. It does give you the possibility of a couple guys, you know, punching through. There's always one or two brackets that just fall apart, right? And yep. there's some guy that just comes out of nowhere, like Miles Martin, I think from the 14 seed, you know, two years 11. ago. 11. 11, yep. 11. And then, uh, you know, like when uh, last year when Suriano was entered and didn't wrestle, like you kind of knew that whole quarter bracket, somebody was going to come out of there, you know, that wasn't seated real high because he was the three. So yep. things like that happen every year. The, the brackets never go according to Hoyle. So just – you got a lot of horses in the race. You got a chance. So yeah, it's uh, they have they've done a great job. They remind me, you know, I look at Missouri as kind of the blueprint for all this because I watched it happen, and that's what they did. They went from being terrible to being mediocre to being a good to being a really good dual meet team to finally getting to some guys that can get, you know, high on the podium to having national champions. And I think that's kind of what NC State has done. And, I mean, you know, it's not like Mizzou created that formula. It's just what I saw close up, and it feels like they're following the same path. No, I think that's a really good comparison. I think that's a really strong comparison there. Yeah. Moving ahead to 197, uh, we mentioned Colin Mullen, number one from Ohio State, did not wrestle at the All-Star Classic. Neither did number two Jared Hott from Virginia Tech. We were supposed to see the one versus two matchup there. Uh, but uh, that one didn't materialize. Uh, number three, Willie Miklas of Missouri. Number four, Preston Weigel of Oklahoma State. Number five, Kevin Beasley of Michigan. Number six, Matt McCutcheon of Penn State. Number seven, Cash Wilkie of Iowa. Number eight, Mike Machiavello of North Carolina State, the winner at the All-Star Classic. One thing that's interesting about the top eight, David, a couple of these guys lost wrestle-off matches. Beasley, uh, you know, we mentioned a week ago, lost uh, – you know, the two matches in the, the best of three with Jackson Strigo goes in places ahead of him this past weekend at the Michigan State Open, wins the tournament in, uh, you know, sort of dominant fashion. Um, so Beasley remains at five, and then Cash Wilkie got beat in Iowa's wrestle-off by the, the stud freshman Jacob Warner, who's red-shirting, or at least appears to be uh, red-shirting this year. Uh, so 
certainly not a, a bad loss for Cash Wilkie, a, a good win for Jacob Warner as well. So, yeah, correct. Uh, going to be interesting to see how, how things evolve for the Hawkeyes at 84-97, but I imagine uh, in time we will see Pat Downey at 84, and we will see uh, Cash Wilkie remain the guy at 197. Uh, also, uh, looking down the line here a little bit, uh, Matt Williams from Cal State Bakersfield, uh, CSU Bakersfield, tremendous uh, weekend as well. A couple big wins for him, uh, beating a couple of returning qualifiers. Um, looking down the line as well, even even to 21 with uh, Chattanooga Scotty Boykin popping in, uh, beating um, Nathan, uh, beating Nathan Traxler of Stanford and Rocco Kaywood of Army. Uh, and then the one that fell, uh, Dan Shade of North Carolina, stubborn a couple losses, losing to both of those guys, Traxler and Kaywood as well. So uh, that's interesting, David. Uh, what did uh, what caught your attention? 197 pounds. Really, no movement except for Shade falling. I mean, you know, you know, we line up the rankings from the week before, and it's easy to see, you know, very little movement. I'm really interested to watch your guy Darmstadt start wrestling. Um, I think, you know, you said this to me off the air. I, I think he's got the capability of folding up a lot of guys. And, you know, Cornell's ranked historically low. And, you know, you just get a feeling they're not going to finish that low. So it'll be interesting. You know, guys like him, I think, will be some of the guys that, you know, bump them up, you know, when when the time comes. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, for yep. sure. And moving on to heavyweight, uh, the three-time world Olympic champ, Kyle Snyder of Ohio State, uh, Number one on the planet, uh, also number one in track wrestling rankings. <laughs> I went bold there. <laughs> yeah, number two, Adam Kuhn of Michigan. Number three, Nick Nevels of Penn State. Number four, Tanner Hall of Arizona State. Number five, uh, Mar Desi of Oregon State. Number six, Jacob Casper of Duke. Number seven, Ryan Solomon of Pittsburgh. And number eight, Yusuf Hamida of Maryland. David, I'm a little surprised you didn't put Gable Stevenson in here somewhere. We <laughs> we've talked about this. I you, you don't want to insult anybody, but he's he'd be an All American this year. Like there's yeah, no, there's no way so. there's eight of these guys that are better than him. Yeah, right. And 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 his level of excellence actually is really part of some of the big recruiting news about Daniel Kirkfleet, right? You know, I mean that's yeah. that's a direct tan, you know, a direct cause and effect of that, right? So. Yeah, it's uh, this weight didn't have a lot of movement. You know, he no lost a match, and Dempsey comes in and you know, doing our morning stroll with Stam Stoll, trying to pick his walkout music. You know, his rehab's going great. As I hear every day. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's uh, that's what's kind of crazy. We you know we do the rankings. You are you're always a huge help, and it it got easier at the end because the results kind of fell in line where where we had guys for the most part in the last probably three or four weights. Well, let's you you brought up the Kirk Vliet, uh Gable Stevenson uh, news there. I guess it's it's Kirkfleet news yeah. backing out of his commitment to Minnesota. He's gonna be an Oklahoma State Cowboy. Uh, David, I it didn't totally shock me that this happened. I, I was a little surprised by the timing of it, uh, but certainly you know seeing Daniel up close and in person uh, here about nine blocks away at the uh, uni dome in the spring at folk style nationals. I, I was like, there's, there's no way this guy's going to be able to hold 197. And 
And uh, you, you look down the road, but, you know, one of the things that, that I've been wondering throughout the summer is, like, how is Minnesota going to make this work with both of these guys? If if he's a heavyweight, does he want to delay enrollment? Does he want to take Olympic redshirt? Um, turns out he does not. So he's jumping ship from the Gophers, going to be an Oklahoma State Cowboy. A uh, huge gift for Oklahoma State uh, to get a cadet world champion, a guy with such high upside. Um, yeah, he's the it. truth. He's the real deal. Um, and I've talked, I talked to a bunch of D1 guys about this and they kind of, they told me back like in May that this was going to happen, that he wasn't going to end up there, you know, just because of the stuff we all saw on the surface. Like, look, you know, if you're the best guy and I'm the second, you know, arguably the second best guy at the same weight, there's not enough red shirts and Olympic red shirts in the world, you know, to make that happen. And it's better for – it's literally – it probably doesn't feel like it. It's better for Minnesota, too, because the money they had committed to him, they can commit to a weight where they don't have a world champion, you know. So it's a huge get for Oklahoma State, and it feels like a lot of the really good schools kind of have their heavyweights yeah. know, set for the future. You know, Singletary's at Ohio State. We talked about these two. Um, I don't know this, but Zach Elam's committing tomorrow. And it, it was to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, or Missouri. So I kind of feel like it's it's definitely not going to be Oklahoma State, I wouldn't think. Um, he's a really good kid that's going to be a really mobile athletic heavyweight. So Yeah, you look, you look and, and, yeah, obviously Minnesota's set for, for a long time now for the next four years with uh, with Gable Stevenson coming on board next year. Um, Iowa has uh, Tony Cassiope. Yeah. Seth Neville's going to Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at the powerhouse programs, they're pretty well all, all set at heavyweight. And I, it felt to me like, you know, looking around at where does Kirk Fleet fit in? I, I felt like it's going to probably wind up at Oklahoma State or Arizona State just just looking at things. And it doesn't surprise me at all that he wound up being a cowboy. And, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, just a, a huge gift for Oklahoma State. I know Arizona State was on the short list. Um, so, yeah, you, you were dead on about that. And, um, you know, heavyweight's been a, a weak spot for Oklahoma State for the last couple of years. I mean, even though, you know, Austin Schaefer had a great season, but he didn't score at nationals, and they haven't scored at nationals in several years at that weight. So this is, you know, he's kind of a set-it-and-forget-it kind of guy, and those are the best kind of guys in the world if you're a coach. You know, I mean, I don't know who's going to end up being a national champion out of all those guys. It feels like Gable, but all those guys feel like they're going to be top five for a long time. You know, all the names you just said. Yeah. Well, that does it for the rankings portion of Weighing In. Uh, this podcast, the rankings portion of this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics, that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, we're going to introduce something a little bit different. We're going to get a, uh, our audience a chance to participate in this thing as well. Uh, kind of a uh, fun deal that we're going to try this year, see how it goes uh, from week one to week 20. Take a look at every weight class, and here's how it's going to work. You can select one wrestler per weight class. 
you and I are going to be playing this game. We're going to see how it goes throughout the season. <laughs> We're going to be updating our teams as we go, picking uh, somebody that's going to rise the most at each weight class. So if you're you're looking at 125 pounds and you think uh, Nick Suriano is better than number five, that uh, and he winds up. Uh, number one in our final rankings of the season, regular season rankings, um, or, or post-conference tournament rankings, I should say, pre-NCAA championship rankings. If he moves from five up to number one, you get credit for four points. If if you take a little bit bigger swing at it, you go for Spencer Lee or someone along those lines. Uh, you know, Spencer Lee, if, if he comes out and he cracks the top eight, uh, you get credit for 26 minus or 26 minus how many ever uh, uh spots he yeah. jumps yeah. yep yep so uh or if he doesn't uh you pick him and he doesn't come out of red shirt uh <laughs> you lose you get a you get a zero there <laughs> so pick somebody at every weight class uh we're going to be keeping score uh tweet at us hit us on facebook uh you can email me at andy.hamilton at sportsengine.com Again, andy.hamilton at sportsengine.com. You can email me your team there as well. Once again, pick somebody at all 10 weights, and uh, you're looking for somebody that's going to rise the most from where we have them ranked now to where you see them uh, finishing at the pre-NCA championship rankings. So should be a lot of fun, David. Yeah. Uh, you got a week to put your team together. I have a week to put my team together. All our listeners who want to participate, you have a, a week as well. Uh, get at us between now and next Tuesday. And by the end of the season, we'll, we'll uh, chart these things throughout the year, uh, kind of update as we go periodically. And the winner will get, uh, we'll get some track wrestling gear in the mail uh, sent off to you. So uh, should be a lot of fun. People always yep. love swag. Yeah, People always sure. love free stuff, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I'm guilty of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So we all love our free stuff. So, yeah. And th- this is a good way to point out that where you have guys ranked, where you d- feel like they deserve to be ranked is not the same as maybe what your gut or even just, you know, your heart thinks. Those are two completely yeah. different things. And it's good. Yeah, to- these are rankings, not projections. We're asking you guys to project. Right, we're going to project. That's as a perfect well. way to say it. Who do we think yeah. is? Who do we project is going to rise the most between now and and uh, the second week of March? Right, like we can't rank Pat Downey, but if he wrestles, he he might be pretty good at wrestling in college. So yep. yeah, yeah, yep. perfect example. Well, we're coming up on an hour, David. Anything else you want to hit before we sign off? No, no. Um, it was a great job by by track at the NWC All Star Meet. Great to be back into the college season again. Um, we're going to – I did some interviews down in Oklahoma that I think are going to go up this week with uh, um, the Perry uh, website or Perry uh, monument they built and then uh, Hardell Moore at Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. Those guys are really doing some cool stuff. So just happy to be back in the in wrestling season. Well, I want to give a quick plug to some of the events we got coming up this weekend on Track Wrestling. will be streamed live, Grandview Open, the Eastern Michigan Open, the Maryville Kaufman Brand Open, uh, the Jonathan Kaloost Bearcat Open out in Binghamton, and the Ohio Intercollegiate Open, as well as the Track Wrestling Preseason Championships. Uh, anything else you're going to have your eye on this weekend, David? 
Maryville Open, like you said, here in St. Louis. So I'll be at Maryville Open probably watching this weekend and then Lindenwood Open next weekend just because they're within a half an hour. They're nice, you know, and it's I've been traveling a lot, so it'll be nice to not pack a suitcase this weekend. Absolutely. Same here. Yeah, so. yeah, you've really been hitting it hard, yeah. Yep, and then uh, this will be my last weekend uh, before I head off to Poland for the U23 World Championships, so we'll have those uh, live and on demand on track wrestling as well later this month. going to be a lot of fun uh, to hit up that tournament. Uh, and we're just getting this thing going, David. We're one week down out of 20, so. <laughs> Pace yourself. Pace yep. yourself. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So, David, thank you as always. Always my pleasure, Andy. Thank you. And thank all of you for tuning in this week for this week's edition of Weighing In. I'm Andy Hamilton for David Mercatani. We'll be back next week for another episode. Thank you.